All right, if uh, you are a Facebook user, uh, go ahead and stand up. If you have a Facebook account, don't act all embarrassed about being on Facebook. Okay, now for those of you who are still embarrassed and don't want to admit you have a Facebook account, go ahead, you stand up now. All right, to everyone standing, look around you, look into the people sitting. These are the people that you need to convert and befriend. Now, I'm not counting, but I'm going to guess that there's about 70, 75% of uh, 100-some-odd people right now uh, standing up who have Facebook accounts. Go ahead and sit down. Um, now, I'm on Facebook myself. Um, I'm proud to say I'm, I'm nearing the 1,000 mark. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close of 1,000 uh, digital friends. Um, I like to think that I know most of them, but uh, I'm not sure that I actually do. Um, but as I was thinking about uh, Facebook and knowing that a majority of people are actually on Facebook, uh, and specifically this morning we're talking about friendships, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about community, uh, here are some observations I wrote down from my time alone on Facebook. Uh, Facebook offers snapshots of information, but never paints the whole story. You just know a little bit, but you don't know the whole story. Facebook allows you to know something without really getting to know someone. Facebook allows you to observe from a distance without ever really having to get up close, uh, up close and personal, as it were. Uh, Facebook allows you to be in the know, but it also allows you, you don't have to do anything about what you know. It allows you just to know something, but you don't have to act on that knowledge, uh, as it were. Uh, Facebook allows you to make commitments or comments uh, about people without ever really having to commit to them. So you can comment on someone's life without ever having to actually make a commitment to them. Uh, Facebook allows hundreds, if not thousands, of connections uh, without ever really being uh, connected to that individual. Um, Facebook invites people to make assumptions about other people without really truly understanding who that person is. Uh, one last observation I've made is Facebook allows you to do your own thing without really being held accountable for the thing that you're doing. Uh, that one in particular, I'm amazed at some of the things people post on Facebook, um, and there doesn't appear to be, at least on the Facebook community, any consequences for the things that people say or the actions that they do. I mean, sometimes the pictures people post, I'm amazed that they post those things and, and say those things, but... It's easy to do when you don't have to give an account for saying something or revealing something, uh, as it were. Um, so it's called the social network, uh, but what's interesting, at least about Facebook as the social network, uh, is it may be a social network, but it's not necessarily a relational network. Uh, it may be about social connections, but it's not about relational connections or genuine friendship uh, connections. Uh, now, I'm not a sociologist. I took plenty of sociology and psychology in college uh, years back, and uh, they've been studying for the last uh, specifically 20, 30 years, uh, if not longer, but a lot of the research over the last 25 some odd years has really pointed to this one thing, uh, that we are living very fractured lives. Uh, there was a book that was published uh, in 1970, so about 40 years ago, um, called The Greening of America, uh, and Charles Reich, the author, said this, Amer this is 40 years ago. America 
is one vast, terrifying anti-community. The great organizations to which most people give their working day and their apartments and suburbs to which they return at night are equally places of loneliness. Um, Now, what sociologists have studied, people who examine culture and and the lives within the culture, uh, is, again, fractured lives, meaning you have your home life, you have your work life, you have your church life, you have your play life. But all these different lives that we have are all disconnected from one another. And so what has been happening in recent years, meaning last 20, 30, 40 years, is silos of people all over the place, but all of the silos are very disconnected from one another. Uh, Now, I enjoy Facebook. Uh, I try to make good use of Facebook, not just, you know, making announcement knowns of what's uh, happening in the church, but trying to post things that would encourage or bless or challenge people. Uh, But one of the things that I've been thinking about is what happens when the church community and the friendships or the relationships that you have within the church community begin to actually reflect more of the Facebook community. So what happens essentially when the church begins to resemble the Facebook community? When the church just be, allows you to, or makes it an option, as it were, to just watch from a distance, but never actually engage or commit. You can spectate, but you don't have to engage. You don't ever have to commit to anything. Or what happens when the church becomes the place where you know many people, but yet you still sit in a room with a 125 people and you, you still feel very unknown? But you know some names, you know some faces, but you don't feel known. Um, Or what happens when the church is just a group of people who just do their own thing, but they're not really held accountable for the thing that they're doing? They don't have to give an account for their actions or their words. Now, I think most of us would agree, uh, maybe not all, but I think most would agree that's not the community that God desires us to have. And I hope, you know, uh, for all of us, that you would also say, I don't want to be part of a community like that. I don't want to just be part of a social network. I want to have a place where I'm cultivating friendships, genuine relationships, being part of a a community. Um, I think we desire that, but yet we lack that. And as I've been thinking about why is it that we lack that, well, let's be honest, building relationships takes time. It can be literally tiring. It can be an exhausting effort. Uh, It can be trying to build relationships with people. It could be filled with disappointments or frustrations or letdowns, as as it were. Building relationships, friendships, community with people, let's be honest, it takes an effort. Like, you have to engage. You have to initiate and it's just honestly easier not to engage, not to uh, initiate. Um, if you're going to build friendship, it's going to take grace. It's going to take generosity. It's going to take forgiveness. Uh, it's going to take you being open to say to others, uh, I love you, and I'll work with you through whatever we need to work through. So, bless you. Bottom line about relationships or friendships or com- uh, just building community is it's God's desire for us. Uh, And as we walk through Romans 16, uh, 
Man, of all of the chapters in Romans, if there was a chapter that just screamed relationships, uh, Romans 16 is it. Uh, Romans 16, now you could easily walk through Romans 16 and be like, wow, this is just a list of names. I feel like I'm reading the phone book. But you forget sometimes when you read a genealogy or a list of names that a name represents a person and a person has a story. And behind each story is a story within that story of God at work in their life and a relationship and a friendship and a community. And so this morning as we go through uh, Romans 16, I want to answer hopefully three questions. Um, and they might seem like easy questions maybe to answer, uh, but as we go through the answers, my, my invitation but also my challenge is going to be for all of us, uh, is friendships, is relationships, is community something that we long to have but just ultimately don't have because we're either just too tired, we're too lazy, we're too busy, or we just don't want to put forth the effort. So number first question we're looking at is, why do we need friendships? Why do we need relationships? Why do we even need community? Uh, second question we'll look at is, how do we cultivate meaningful relationships with those around us? Beyond just the surface, beyond just a social connection, a social network, as it were, how do we cultivate a meaningful relationship? And then the third question is, how do we build, uh, who do we build these friendships with? Now, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Romans 16. I'm not, we're looking at 16 verses this morning, uh, and you could just take a quick look if you have your Bible in front of you, and it's literally just a list of names. Now, if you were to break down the list as it were, there's 27 people, there's two families, and there's three house churches that are mentioned uh, by Paul. And to each of them, Paul says, send my greetings to so-and-so send my greetings to so-and-so. And the literal word here for greetings is embrace that person for me. I cannot do that. So when you receive this letter, embrace that person on my behalf. So this is more than just a, a handshake and a hello. Hope things are going well. This is, would you just for me, uh, from me, for them, embrace that person. 27 people, two families, three house churches. He sends his greetings to now, you might be like, well, that's really not that impressive because I got 500 people on Facebook I'm friends with. So 27 people is not all that impressive, Paul. Well, consider that Paul's never even been to Rome. He's sending greetings to a community. He's sending affection. He's sending an embrace, as it were, to a church that he's never even visited. At this point, as Paul's writing Romans, he's never even been to this place. So the question becomes, well, how is it possible, if he's never been there, how does he possibly even know 27 people, nonetheless five people? And a quick answer would be, well, number one, Paul traveled about 1,500 miles over the span of about 30 years. And in traveling that much mileage in different cities and villages and towns, he met lots of people. Uh, some scholars just say all roads actually ended in Rome. So there's a lot of people that he would meet uh, along his missionary journeys and his travels that ended up in Rome. And so he's saying, send my, I send my greetings to them. But I think one of the things of why Paul can know so many people intimately in a place that he's never been is because he prayed for them. Now, if you go back to Romans, where we started, Romans chapter 1, I'll read verses 8, 9, and 10. It says this, 
First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Before I jump into anything, Paul says the first thing I want you to know, the first thing that you need to know from my heart to your heart is I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how consistently or constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will that uh, a way may be open for me to come to you. Mentioned a few times right there, I'm praying for you constantly, consistently. I just, I can't stop praying for you. Now, if you are praying for someone in a distant place, you're going to have a pretty close relationship with them, even if you don't get to see them on a day-to-day basis, even if you don't get to talk to them on a day-to-day basis. Prayer has a unique way of binding hearts together. So Paul could send his greetings, his affection, his embrace to a community he hasn't been to. He's met some of them for sure on his travels, but because this is a a people, a community that he had been praying for. Now, Paul, it's pretty clear after walking through 16 chapters of Romans over a year that Paul is an incredible theologian. Uh, He is an incredible philosopher. He's an incredible leader, incredible church planter, incredible visionary, incredible leader. But I think one of the things that Paul starts in Romans and he ends with Romans is that he's a lover of people. Paul is genuinely a people person, meaning he placed a high value on relationships. Now, let me ask you the question, are you a people person? Okay, are you genuinely, as you kind of evaluate yourself and you know you, are you a people person, meaning do you place a high value on relationships? Do you place a high value on friendships? Now, I think some if not a lot of us would say, well, Michael, that's just not my personality. That's for guys like you who are extroverted off the charts. If you're an extrovert, you're a people person. Well, actually being a people person has absolutely nothing to do with your personality type, whether you're an extrovert or whether you are an introvert. If you are a people person that stems from the vertical relationship. You cannot have a relationship with God that is growing, that is thriving, where you're connecting with God and not grow in your affection for the people around you. So if I would challenge you on this, if you're sitting here thinking, I'm just not a people person, I generally don't like people, they they typically annoy me, I I don't, I, I just, I'd rather be by myself, give me maybe one person, I can tolerate them once a month, but... If that's you, that's not a personality thing. You cannot be in a relationship with God, have your vertical where it's just growing, and not have your horizontal relationships being impacted by that. So as I consider Paul, I actually think he was a little bit more of an introvert than an extrovert. You can be a great speaker. You can speak before thousands of people like Paul did, but be an incredible, incredible introvert. But it wasn't a personality thing for Paul, because his relationship with God was was what it was, he grew in his love and in his affection uh, for people. Now, Paul, I think, sets a pretty pretty good example um, of someone who wasn't a people person, 
who grew into a people person. What I mean by that is prior to Paul knowing God, prior to Paul having a right relationship with God, he was a murderer. He was hell-bent on trying to kill Christians. He was trying to persecute Christians. Like, that's typically not a person that is a people person. That's, that's the angry guy. That's the guy who just sees people as a nuisance, an annoyance, a frustration, a roadblock. Get them out of my way. But as soon as Paul met Jesus, everything changed for him vertically, but things began to change for him horizontally. So if you would want to grow in being a people person, don't worry about your personality. That's a gift from God to you, your personality, because it's different than the people around you. That's a gift. But if you want to grow of being not the person who lives in isolation and being okay with that, it starts with a vertical relationship first. Now, as we walk through answering some of these questions, uh, the first question is going to be, why do you even need relationships? Why do you need friendships? Why do you need community? Why do you need to be a people person? Uh, They go hand in hand here, but Paul, as he got right vertically, was getting right horizontally, but as he was growing horizontally, he was growing stronger vertically. Now, let me explain that. The first answer, the answer I'll give you of why friendships matter, why relationships matter, why community matters is you will never, and I'll say it pretty strongly, you will not grow spiritually in isolation. You can read your Bible and you can pray. There will be some growth there, but you will never experience the type of relationship that God desires to have with you in isolation. So a number one reason of why we pursue friendship, why we pursue community, why we pursue relationships is because without those friendships, relationships, community, I will not grow spiritually. 27 names Paul lists in Romans 16. Each of those names represents a story that Paul has with that individual. Now, Paul doesn't give the details. We, don't, we just have a name. But each name represents, that person encouraged me, that person challenged me, that person served me, that person blessed me. When I think of that name, it brings me back to a place when they encouraged my my journey with God. Or I was able to be part of their growth in the relationship with God. Uh, Kyle and I went to Africa about 10 years and spent about eight weeks there. And uh, Real quickly, uh, I forget who passed this along to me, but they said, Michael, you need to know this African proverb. Memorize it. It will change your life. And I did. And it's this African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. As I consider the apostle Paul, he was not so much concerned about a sprint and winning a sprint race. He saw that his journey with God was going to be a marathon. And if he was going to run a marathon and run it well, he was going to run in the context of community. There's a lot of people that I've met in my journey that started really, really strong. But five years in, 10 years in, 15 years in, they've walked away. And it wasn't because they just had this wicked, evil heart that just grew in hatred towards God. It was because they grew away from community. Number one reason why we need friendship, relationship, community is so that we can continue to grow spiritually, to grow in the relationship that God desires us to have. 
Who's having an impact on your spiritual life right now? As you consider just the friendships that you have, the relationships that you have, who is having an impact on your relationship with God? Maybe another way to say it is, who is helping to shape you, to form you, spiritually speaking? Conversely, who are you doing that for? Can you think of one name, one name that is a friend of yours, that you have a relationship with, that you are part of shaping and forming that person spiritually? Paul could think of 27 in a place he's never even been. Now, this is not a magical number, but it's to say Paul valued relationships. He valued friendship. Now, your argument to me or your response might be, Michael, you just have no clue. You're a pastor, and you just get to sit around all day and meet people in Starbucks and just talk. That's what you get to do. So why don't you journey into my life where I've got to work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and I have family responsibilities, and I have these responsibilities. You could come back to me with all sorts of of reasons of I just don't have time to be with people like that, where someone can impact me spiritually, help to shape for me, or where I can do that for. Or, Michael, I'm totally fine on my own. Like, I'm doing fine, okay? My pushback to that would be, Wow, that's an interesting thing to say to God is, God, I'm doing fine. Because I'm pretty sure God didn't send his son to have a relationship with you, so your response could be, I'm doing fine. I think God created us for something so much more than I'm doing good, I'm doing fine, I'm doing okay. Your response might be, I, I don't know anyone, okay? I'm interested in friendship, I'm interested in relationship, but I just don't know anyone. We could come up with all sorts of reasons and and thoughts or even excuses of why we cannot have that friendship, that relationship, where we can't be the person who's helping to shape and form others spiritually, or where we can't be the person that we're doing that uh, for someone else. But I'll just come back to the simple truth is, if you are alone, you will not grow in your relationship with God. This is why friendships relationship should be of utmost priority to you. Absolute priority. Uh, A great uh, book, I think I've got it in our uh, recommended reads in the cafe, uh, is a book called uh, Note to Self, Learning How to Preach the Gospel to Yourself. And in there, there's a chapter on friendships, relationships, and the author Joe Thorne says this, you are not strong enough or spiritual enough to successfully follow Jesus and be faithful to his mission on your own. You simply cannot survive spiritually on a weekly worship service, podcasts, and books. You need the community more than you probably realize. You can't make it alone, nor can anyone else. If you want to grow spiritually, it won't happen in isolation. It just won't. Because God's created you for community, uh, for friendships, for relationships. It's real interesting. The timing of this was, uh, was just... God. got a call last night uh, around 10 o'clock from a friend I hadn't talked to in a while, and uh, he, was, uh, he was a man in my life. He's now about uh, 60 years old, and his name's Thane. And uh, I could say that Thane has had a profound impact on my relationship with Kyla, uh, because when I knew Thane and uh, was living around and meeting with Thane weekly and all that kind of stuff, every time I would see this man, Michael, are you cherishing your wife? 
And I used to kind of dread that question every time I'd see him because I know he'd ask me. But every time I'd see him, Michael, are you cherishing your wife? She's, inside of Jesus, she's the greatest gift to you uh, that God will give you. Are you cherishing her? But I grew to love that question because it inspired me and it was something I was always thinking about through the week. Thane's going to ask me and I want to be able to say, yes, I'm cherishing Thane. I'm doing, within like three minutes of, and I hadn't talked to Thane in a while, within three minutes, Michael, I got to know. It's 10 o'clock last night. I, are you cherishing your wife? Oh, Thane, I miss you, man. It's like, no, I don't care if you miss me. <laughs> are you cherishing your wife? And so I was able to just talk about where Kyler and at. Kyla and I are at and how we're doing. That friend, that man, that relationship, that community right there has spurred me on in my marriage over the last 14 years. Why do we need friendship? Why do we need relationship? Why do we need community? Well, I'm not going to grow spiritually. I'm not going to grow as a godly man, as a godly husband, as a godly father, as a godly leader. I cannot grow in isolation. Number two of why friendship, why relationship. The gospel flows best through friendships. The gospel, the mission of God flows best through community. This is what Paul says, and I'll read a few verses in Romans 16, 1 through 3. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centuria, which is in Corinth. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, those are just a couple names. You get a snapshot of who these people are, but the one thing that you sense that Paul is saying about these people, they have been a phenomenal help in the work of God. They have been a phenomenal encouragement in making sure that the gospel, the mission of God goes forth. I think simply put, Paul was not a one-man show. He surrounded himself with people who were committed to the mission. As you think about testimony, let me switch gears here a little bit. If you were to want to have a testimony a couple years from now, what would you want your testimony, meaning a statement, something that you would say, proclaim, declare, what would you want your testimony to be? What would you want it to say? Is there anything in you that would, your testimony would want to sound something like this? Wow, there's no way that could have happened unless God was in our midst. Like I know for me personally, I want to have a testimony for Genesis, for my marriage, for me as a dad, for this church. Wow, there is no way that could have possibly happened unless God was in our midst. I know that if I want to have a testimony that is reflective of how great God is. I know it's not going to be done by myself. If you want to have a testimony that at all comes close to reflecting the greatness of God, you will have to understand that you cannot be a one-man show trying to do your own thing. The gospel, the mission of God flows best through friendships, through relationships, through community. So we've looked at why friendship, well, spiritual growth. Second one, the mission of God flows best through community. And I'll give you just one last one on this one is why friendship, why relationship? There is great joy that flows from friendship, relationship, and community. 
Can you imagine if Paul just got to the end of Romans 16 and said, I got nothing left, peace out. Can you imagine if Romans 16 didn't have any names mentioned? He didn't have anything to say to anyone personally because he didn't have a relationship with anyone. I don't really care about you people. You just need to know this important information. Can you imagine if we just ended at Romans 15 and that's it? There was no list of names, no list of families, no list of house churches that Paul was sending his greetings to. I would venture to say Paul would be like, wow, what an exercise in just missing the point. I gave all of these people phenomenal knowledge about God, but it's void of relationship with them. Why friendship? Why relationship? Why community? It's because there's great joy in being in friendship. There's great joy in being able to look at a brother or a sister. And as Paul says, this is Romans 16, verse 8 and 9. Greet Amotas, whom I love in the Lord. Greet uh, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Who do you talk about like that? Man, I love them. He is my dear brother, my dear friend. Like I can just hear Paul's heart as he's writing these names down. I love this person. I would do anything for this person. See, there's great joy in friendship. There's great joy in relationship. There's great joy in community. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that there's not disappointment or hurt or frustration. I get that. But the alternative of isolating yourself and being a one-man show, doing your own thing, you will lack, have a great void of joy in your life that God intends to give you through friendship, through relationship. All right, I'm going to jump to question number two. Question number two is this. How do we cultivate meaningful relationships? I've already mentioned two, prayer. If you really want to cultivate friendships with people, pray. It's really hard not to grow an affection for the very people that you're praying for. That would be one. A second, Paul models that for us throughout Romans. Uh, second one I've already mentioned is the more you're loving Jesus, the more you're growing vertically, it's going to have a profound impact on your horizontal relationships. Uh, but as I looked through this list in Romans 16 of names, there was two common themes of how Paul had these relationships, friendships, built this community with people. Uh, and there's two words I'd want you to write down. If you really want to cultivate friendship, relationship, community with the people around you, serve with them and suffer with them. And sometimes they go hand in hand. Serve with someone and then suffer with them. Romans uh, 16, I'll read verse 3 and 4. Uh, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Listen to these, this couple. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet, uh, verse 7 in uh, Romans 16, greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. If you want to grow in friendship, relationship, serve and then suffer. They were in prison with me. Wow, talk about building a good relationship with someone. 
Share a chain with them. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and commit a crime and be like, well, my pastor told me that I'm going to build friendships in prison, so <laughs> I'm just being obedient. You want to build friendships that are meaningful, that you can speak with affection of, I love them, a dear brother, a dear sister. Serve and then suffer with them, alongside them. Now, obvious question I think would be, where are you right now serving? As you examine your life, where are you serving right now? Now, I don't want you to think, oh, great, this is where the pastor is going to make us feel guilty because I'm not serving in the church. Now, there's plenty of opportunities for you to serve the body and serve the community around, but that's not my point. Where are you serving right now? It's a good chance, okay? It's not a guarantee, but it is a good chance that if you are not serving right now, that you're not cultivating relationships. You might have some relationships. You might know some people. I'm talking about how do we cultivate? How do we grow, serve, and suffer? Now, when I read Romans 16, you, you cannot ignore the fact that all 27 people that Paul mentioned are people that are serving. All of them had been serving with Paul, around Paul, or Paul knew of their service. Greet them. When you serve alongside someone, it is almost impossible not to grow in relationship with them. If you want to grow with Jason Corbin, go to Nepal with him. If you want to build a friendship with him, lock arms with him on a plane for a day and then live with him for 10 days in Nepal. Get your hands dirty. You want to grow in friendship, relationship with someone, begin to serve with them. So if you're not serving, it's a pretty good chance that that also means you're probably not suffering alongside someone. Now, I'm not talking about suffering that just comes from living in a, a messed up world. I'm talking about suffering that comes through sacrificing for others with others. That's the suffering I'm talking about. Because when you serve, you're sacrificing with someone for someone. And that can be hard. That can be tiring. But if you would cultivate friendship, relationship, community, serve. And when it comes to suffer because of your sacrificial service, suffer well. Man, I remember when I was in chains with that guy. Man, I remember when we had, were in prison and serve and suffer. Now, we've looked at why friendships. We've looked at how friendships, meaning how can we cultivate them. I just want to finish quickly with who do we build friendships with? We've looked at why, we've looked at how you cultivate that, and I want to finish with uh, who do you build friendships with? Now, as I was writing down some notes, I wrote this down, and I realized this is probably not going to be very popular advice, but when it comes to whom you build friendships with, my encouragement to you is to be incredibly selective. When you consider the friends, the relationships that you are investing in or allowing other people to invest in you, be incredibly selective. Do some what I would call character profiling. Consider that person. Consider their character. 
Do you admire, do you esteem to be at all like them? And if yes, then position yourself as closely to them as possible. I'm not talking about find perfect people because you won't find them, but find a person who is committed to the path of godliness, someone who's committed to pursuing that and say, can I walk with you? Can I journey with you? I think most people are like, yeah, I don't really care who I'm friends with. Whoever's just a warm body, has a heartbeat, and knows how to utter out some words. That's good enough for me. As I consider the people that Paul was friends with, the people that he had relationships with, he had many relationships, but I see that Paul was incredibly selective. This is how I, when I read Romans 16, he befriended those who didn't know Jesus. He befriended those who had not yet begun a relationship with Christ. Romans 16, verse 5, Greet my dear friend Emptus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Now, I have no idea if it was Paul who actually led this individual to a relationship with Christ, but I know that Paul had a friendship, and I can only imagine Paul's friendship with this man led him to become a friend of Jesus. As you consider those you're befriending, somewhere on your list should be people that don't know who God is, and through your friendship, they might come to know God. Now, I think sometimes this has been, the mistake has been made is, don't hear this. Well, view people who don't know Jesus as a project for you to work on. And you just get them to say a certain prayer, and then you abandon them. Oh, sweet. Well, you, you said the key word. I'm going to move on to my next project. I mean person. Now, I'm talking about Paul, greet my dear friend. As you consider the friendships, relationships that you have right now with people who don't know God, with people who are non-Christians, who have not committed themselves to following Christ, are they any closer to knowing Christ because of their friendship with you? As you consider the people that you're friends with, and I'm assuming you have some that don't know Christ, are they at all closer to becoming a friend of God because of their friendship with you? And if you answer, I'm not sure or no, you have to, why? Why is that? How is it that someone could spend time with you and not at least be intrigued? The greatest gift we can give to our friends who don't know who Jesus is, is a clear pathway towards Jesus. That you're not a stumbling block, you're a clear pathway. You're the catalyst in their life that's, there's a hunger stirring in them for God because they see what impact God has had on your life. So I see Paul befriended those who did not know Jesus. I see Paul befriended those who were more mature than he. If you read Romans uh, 16, 7 again, greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. I love that Paul had the humility to say, I'm friends with them. I've partnered with them. They knew Jesus before I knew Jesus. And I know if I position myself with them, some of what they know is going to rub off on me. Now here's, uh, I think, a good question of, who would you like to look like five years from now? I really want you to think about this. Who do you want to look like five years from now? Take a look 
at who you're hanging out with now, and that's who you're going to look like. Promise you. Whoever you're choosing to surround yourself with now, that is who you will become in the months, weeks, and years to come. Now, I hope some of you be like, wow, I, that's not the path I want to go. If that's not the path you want to go, then choose, select, position yourself around some older people who have wisdom, who have a walk with God that one day you'd like to have. And I'm not saying if you're 18 years old that you find someone who's 88 years old, but maybe someone who's 19 or 20 or 21, and you see the way they're living, and you're like, yeah, I see his character. I don't have that. He's got it. I want it. Attach yourself to him. It's a great third uh, century uh, pastor uh, called uh, Ambrose of Milan, and just great wisdom. He said this, it is a very good thing to unite oneself to a good man. It is also very useful for the young to follow the guidance of great and wise men. And listen to this. For he who lives in company with wise men is wise himself, but he who clings to the foolish is looked on as a fool too. Young men show very soon that they imitate those whom they attach themselves to. Whoever you have attached yourselves to you will begin to imitate them in time if you have not already. Be selective in who you are positioning or attaching yourself to. If you want to grow in godliness, if you want to grow in character, if you want to grow in being a godly husband or a godly wife, or be selective in who you are attaching yourself to. And I'll finish with this one of who do we befriend? Uh, and looking at Paul's list, he befriended a lot of followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to ask you to write down this, but could you even write down 27 names? With affection. With like, when I think of these 27 people, I love them. Dear brother, dear sister, just give them a big bear hug for me. The 27 people that Paul listed, two house, church, uh, house churches and two, two families, it's a lot of people. Paul befriended a lot of followers of Jesus. Now, my point is not that you're going to be BFFs with all of these people, but my point is, are you friends with, in the greater context, other Christians, other people who are following Jesus? Now, I don't know what this does to your heart, but it really saddens me when I meet a Christian who just looks at other Christians with just annoyance. I'm so, I don't even want to be a Christian because I look at them and they're just, oh. You look at them and you roll your eyes at someone else who's a Christian. No, they're probably not perfect, but neither are you. Paul befriended a lot of followers of Christ. It's a great uh, book called Total Church. Uh, Tim Chester uh, said this in this book, by becoming a Christian, I belong to God and I belong to my brothers and sisters. It is not that I belong to God and then make a decision to join a local church. My being in Christ means being in Christ with those others who are in Christ. If the church is the body of Christ, then we should not live as disembodied Christians. I just, I've met a lot of Christians and I, I hope if you're a Christian today that you would never look at another person who's committed to following Christ 
and roll your eyes at them and be like, oh, they just annoy me. They're such a goody two-shoes. And cast judgment on them because they might look different than you, even act or think differently than you. See, if you're a Christian, then you're part of the Christian family. That means other brothers, other sisters. Now, families, sometimes there's weird dynamics in families. Sometimes it gets pretty dysfunctional. But at the end of the day, you're still family. You're still committed to them. You're still committed to love them. Even if they've done unlovely things, even if they've done hurtful things, I see in Paul, he befriended a lot of people in the family of God. What's really been helpful for me personally is I have a lot of friends who are part of the family of God. And when I feel like I'm just shaken, when I'm getting tired, when I'm getting frustrated, when I'm getting lonely, because I've chosen to surround myself with other people in the family of God, I've gotten a lot of support and a lot of encouragement. But it would be a pretty sad thing when your foundation is getting rocked and you look around and you don't have anyone who's got a shared foundation standing next to you holding you up. Paul befriended those who were non-Christians in hopes that they'd become Christians. Paul befriended those who were more mature, who he had something to, to, to learn from. And he also befriended a lot of Christians. Now, first half of Romans 16, we're going to finish the rest next week. Man, it's about relationships. It's about friendships. It's about community. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we try to do a good job with signage around here. And if you didn't notice, please just pay attention as you walk out. You should see begin, belong, believe everywhere. Our heart as a church is that if you've not begun a relationship with God, that you would have a genesis, bless you, of sorts. That this would be a place of beginnings. But we intentionally put belong next because we know that no one will be able to grow in the relationship with God in isolation. Our heart is that this would be a place that you belong to. Not that you just show up once a week to. Not that you just show up once a month to is that this would not just be one of the many things that you have going on in your life. That this would be the place, the community, the friendships that are helping to shape and form the life that you're living. We do not want this to be a church community of people that are just fractured. I've got work. I've got a lot of work. I've got even more work. I've got a little bit of play. I've got a little bit of this, I've got a little bit of this, and I'll sprinkle a little bit of church. That is not that God desires for you. That's not what he desires in the church. I hope, my heart would be that this would be a community that you could belong to, that would put shape and form to relationships that you have, and obviously with your relationship with God as well. And I know as we are experienced the belong. Man, believe just flows. Like the gospel just flows out of a community that is healthy, that is relationally thriving. The gospel just goes forth from us to the world around us. I like how Sinclair Ferguson, a pastor theologian, said, Jesus wants to create a people, not merely isolated individuals who believe in him. It's good that you believe if you do. 
but know that the God that you believe in, the God who sent his son to have a relationship with you, he didn't do that so you would just have an isolated, well, I believe. I'll do my thing, my way. He did that so that we would have a community, a family, brothers, sisters, friends, relationships, spurring one another on. Now, for some, if not many, if you're going to form these friendships, these relationships that I believe God wants us to have, desires us to have, you might need to make some pretty radical changes in how you live your life. I would go as far as to say some of you might need to change your jobs. Well, Michael, you don't know. You just don't get it. Well, I might not get it, but I would challenge you to go and say, God, I'm spending 70, 80, 90 hours a week in this place all just to pay some bills. God, is this really what you have for me? God, might you lead me somewhere else? So, because I'm missing out, God, on relationships, on friendships, on community. Some of you might need to move where you are and intentionally plant yourselves in the community you want to be part of. I love that this summer there's about eight, nine men from this community who were living apart said, we want to live in Woburn. It's not that we just love the suburbs, but we love the community and we want to have an impact on the community that this church is in. They decided to plant and build their lives around the community that they're part of. Some of you, if you're going to cultivate, develop these friendships, relationships, might need to make some radical changes and choices to do things very differently. But I promise you that as you take steps towards changes of work, career, literally moving, man, there's just such great joy in having friendships that you're being spurred on in your relationship with God. You can do that for other people. The gospel is just flowing from you through the friendships, through the relationships where other people are getting to know God because they see the friendships that you have. I want to have what you guys have. Romans 16 is not just a list of names. It's people that Paul had invested his heart and soul into. I hope that we didn't even read the whole list, but I hope as you've even been listening to this, that you would not be challenged, be like, wow, I I really need to rethink friendships. My hope is that you would walk away and say, God, would you give me the courage to make the changes I need to make to position myself in people's lives like that? Because it might not just be about you having those friendships. It might be about the people around you that God wants to use you in to help shape and form as well.